All right, so let's take our Bible, turn to Acts chapter 18 once again. And we will look at one other brief thing about uh, kind of picking up where we left off this morning on the subject of uh, uh, Paul's ministry in Corinth. So this morning we talked about uh, the responsibility that Paul mentions he is having and having fulfilled and discharged. That is, uh, he said, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. I am clean. And that's something we should all be able to say with those in our orbit, in our sphere. And I'm, I'm convinced I've seen it in, excuse me, I've seen it in, uh, in my own personal life that the Lord purposefully puts us in places to interact and influence for the gospel certain people that He's trying to reach. And He's calling to them and He's trying to get a hold of them and He's sending messages to them by means of us in the same way that He was sending a message to Israel by means of Ezekiel in Ezekiel chapter 33. And so if, we'll, if we can have that testimony that says, I am clean, I have discharged my duty, you, you and I are not responsible as individuals for every person. I mean, there's no way to do that. But the Lord has given us the responsibility for those that we can reach, right? And so that's, uh, that's what we need to be paying attention to. But this morning I talked about one of the major roadblocks for why uh, that, that causes us to falter in our duty to warn those around us. And that is fear. That's fear. So let's read verse, uh, verse 9 through 11 once again of Acts chapter 18. Then spake the Lord to Paul in, in, in the night by a vision. Be not afraid, but speak, and hold not thy peace. For I am with thee, and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. And he continued there a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you once again for the opportunity to meet together with your people. I do pray for our mission conference, Lord, that your grace and your blessing would be upon it. Lord, we know that doing this conference, putting emphasis on the special meeting and, and paying attention to what you have directly told us to do. Lord, it is just exactly what you want us to do. And we know that you will bless it, Lord, as we sincerely try to fulfill the Great Commission in our, in our way. Uh, so, Lord, we pray that you would, I pray especially that you would stir up the hearts of each one of us in the church uh, to, first of all, to plan to be present, to be engaged at every service of the Mission Conference, to, uh, to set time aside, to, to sanctify time, that might be dedicated for this cause and for this purpose. And I pray, Lord, through the conference, through our interaction with the missionaries, hearing the messages by Brother Sorrell, and please give him wisdom to know what to, know what to say and how to, how to speak to us. But, Lord, through all of that, I pray that you would stir us up. You would stir us up for missions, and it might even be that you desire one of us to go to the mission field. Lord, I just pray that you would do a great work uh, to the missionaries through us as we try to help them. But Lord, also do a great work in us 
As we look at Acts 18 for this brief moment, we pray for your blessing to be upon our study. Lord, please give us understanding how to deal with this, this problem of fear when we, uh, when we seek to give the gospel to people. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. So as we saw this morning, you know, verse 9, there's no need for the Lord to speak in a vision to Paul saying, be not afraid unless there is already fear in Paul. And this is not the only time. When Paul was on the ship uh, headed to Rome, which of course there was a lot of reason for fear considering that they had been fasting because they, uh, they were in a storm and uh, he didn't know if he would live or die, the Lord also appeared to Paul in the night and said, be not afraid, and, uh, and told him not to fear. So Paul is a man who dealt with fear just like we deal with, deal with fear. He needed strengthening because he was fearful. And as I said a minute ago, when we know in our mind, in our heart, that we should be intentionally and purposefully reaching out to people that do not know the Lord, that are not born again. When we know that, but we hesitate, if you ask yourself, why am I so hesitant? I bet that the majority of the time, the reason and the cause is fear, that we hesitate. You know, you think about your boss at work, someone in a position above you, you know, you might hesitate because they're in a position above you. Or it might be that you're just, you hesitate because you don't know what to say. And you know what? There's ways to deal with that. But the, the wrong thing to do is to not deal with it. It's to just say, well, oh, well, I can't do it. No, the right thing to do is to say, Lord, I know this is what you want me to do. I need you to help me to do it. How many things in our Christian life are like that? Where the Lord says something, He tells us He wants us to, He, he tells us something He wants us to do, and to our mind and heart, it looks like an insurmountable obstacle. It just looks like, I, I can't do that. It's impossible. You know, the Lord doesn't tell us things that are possible for us to do. In fact, many, many times He tells us things that are difficult to do. He tells His people to do things that are hard, that He knows very well that we feel uh, not quite up to the task, so that we, listen now, by simple faith to obey, will say, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how it's possible. But because You said to do it, I'm going to try. But if I try, I'm just begging You to help me. And you know what he does? He always, he always supplies the grace to enable us to obey. Always. Because he is the one who gave us the command to begin with. He's the one who told us to do it. And anytime, and this is a scriptural principle as well, anytime the Lord tells us to do something, he with that command supplies the grace to accomplish it. So we're not doing it ourselves. And that's what we see in this verse. The fact that the Lord appeared to Paul at this moment was God's grace. Was God's grace to him. Knowing Paul was afraid. Knowing Paul did not want to relive the stripes of Philippi or the stones of Lystra 
or the various other tumults and, and being drug about here and there before magistrates and proconsuls and deputies and all of this. He didn't like that. He didn't like it. He avoided it. You remember he was let down by, uh, by the wall, at least on two occasions that we've studied recently. He tried to get away from that stuff. He didn't rush headlong into it. Anybody that says they do is just is not thinking clearly. But we need to dispel this idea that oftentimes with Bible characters who are real people, right? That's, that's one th- first thing we need to remember is Bible characters are real people. They're not characters in, in the way that a character of a novel that one of my children might write that's like, like superhuman, you know, or whatever. The Bible is full, because it's, a, it's an historical book, is full of true characters, real people who lived. But sometimes we romanticize them and we assume that they were somehow on another level than we are. And that's not true. It's not true. Listen to this. In fact, the Bible plainly says this is not true. James 5.17, listen to this. Elias, that's Elijah, was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. Let me kind of paraphrase that. Elijah was a man just like you and me, and yet he prayed that it would not rain for six months, for three years and six months, and it didn't. He is no different than you and me. That's what the verse is talking about. He wasn't superhuman. Sometimes we get that impression because God gives us the high points, right? He gives us the, the victories. But then he, inter, he intermingles with the victories stories of their failures, like this same man under a juniper tree, whining, asking God to kill him because Jezebel wanted to take his life. He tells us that to remind us that these are just people and they get discouraged. And if that's the case, that means that the people we read in the Scripture and the feats, we might say, that they did by faith, Hebrews 11, also are well within our reach by God's grace. And I, even as I say that, I ask myself, Adam, have you, have you seen, have, have, have you trusted God for feats like this? I ask myself. At no point in Scripture... In the scripture record, do do any of God's God's people, disciples of Christ, give any indication that they are anything more than just a a man, just a woman like us? The Bible is not full of heroes and heroines and uh, mythological characters that do... No, no. The only... Listen, the only hero in the Bible is God and, by extension, the Lord Jesus. The only one. (laughs) Isn't that comforting? Everybody else is just like you. Paul is no exception. Paul is no exception. Paul went into a place and felt the tendency to close his mouth for fear that he would be harmed. He felt that. He felt that. He knew what the pain of stripes felt like. He knew what it was like to get stoned to death, although he lived. He didn't want to repeat it. And in the biblical record, in Acts and in the the epistles, Paul clearly describes himself as a man who keenly felt weakness, just like us. 
and had legitimate fears in the performance of his ministry. He tells us about it. He doesn't present himself, not only does God not present him as some superhero, he doesn't present himself as a superhero. Look at 1 Corinthians, if you would. We're in Corinth, that's what we're talking about here. Look at 1 Corinthians. Paul gives a commentary in chapter 2 of when he first arrived in Corinth. Chapter 2, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Well, that's encouraging, encourage, should be encouraging to us. That means when we try to give the gospel to people on visitation, on door knocking, downtown, the care home, whatever, at our job, our family member, you and I do not, need, do not have to think that we have to be experts. We're not, and neither was he. Right? That's what it's saying. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Now let me ask you a question. This was Paul's message, right? He ignored everything else so that he could focus on the one most important thing. This message of Paul in verse 2, is that a message you're familiar with? Is that a message you're familiar with? Every one of us is familiar with that message. And every one of us can tell that message. You know what that means? We're just as capable as, capable as Paul. Right? Verse 3. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. We read about it in Acts because the Lord said, the Lord said what? Fear not, Paul. Be not afraid. So we know Paul was afraid, but here he's telling them. He's saying, I was with you in fear. Verse 4, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Now, this is about a year later after 1 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 5. For when we were come into Macedonia, now Macedonia is, is where Thessalonica and Berea, where they are, remember? We were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without, or that is outside, were fightings, Within were what? Fears. You see, the persecution had worked. It caused Paul to be afraid. And in other words, that was the goal, right? The goal was to persecute Paul so that they would shut him up. That's the whole purpose of the persecution of the Jews. And it worked, except the fact that he had the Lord on his side and he was trusting in God. And here, here's the thing. The commandment of the Lord for him his seriousness about doing and obeying the Lord's commandment in his ministry was more important to him than his fear. It was not that he had no fear. It was that obeying the Lord was of greater importance. And when that's the case, what's the only thing you can do? You just obey. 
You ask God to help you? I mean, how, how many times, as I said before, how many times has the Lord put something before us that He wants us to do, and we, do, we search ourselves and find no strength that's meet to, for that task? You know what the Lord says to do? Go to the Lord and say, Lord, I can't do this, but I'm going to try. <laughs> right? And it might not be this. It might be personal problems you're dealing with. It might be things in your family, things that, that are just too big. But certainly telling, in the context of this, telling people about the Lord, when it's fearful, that's one of those cases. Look at Philippians chapter 1. A few pages over, or several anyway. Philippians 1. Verse number 12. It's not just Paul that's afflicted with this fear of speaking out for the Lord. Verse 12 says, But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. He's talking about him being in prison and all his persecutions. So that my bonds, as prison, in Christ are manifest in all the palace. That's where the emperor lives, in Rome. That's interesting. And in all other places, and many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You see, they heard of Paul who, despite his persecutions and imprisonments, persisted. Now we know behind the scenes that Paul went through all of that not without fear, but with fear. Because he told us. But because he did that, it emboldened other Christians to then obey the Lord likewise and to do so to dis having dispelled the fear that they had before. The timidity that comes from that fear of oppression, that fear of harm, of pain, of suffering, all of that. And for us, listen, for us, the fear that might prevent us from giving the gospel to someone is not about persecution. For me personally, you know what it is? Rejection. That's hard for me to deal with. I mean, when we knock on somebody's door and somebody is rude and they, you know, they slam the door in my face, I walk away and I might, I might have military bearing, but in my mind, in my heart, I'm thinking, you know, what, what did I say? Well, what did I do? You know, did I, you know, could I have said something different? Or why did they do that? I mean, you know, I, I question it. I question it. And I hate being rejected. I hate being treated ill. But up to this point, I mean, except yesterday when the, the gunshot went off, when we, <laughs> that literally happened. But except for then, I didn't think, I've never actually been shot at, and neither then also, I guess. So it's not like our fear is, is some great thing. You know, it's not like people are really going to hurt us. Um, you know, at least we assume that by probability it's not going to happen. It's just the fear of people. That's what it's about with us. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number, verse number 6. 2 Timothy 1, 6. He says this, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee 
by the putting on of my hands. Now notice the word, notice the language, because if we're going to get this, we have to understand the words here and the grammar, because this is, this is an important point. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, here's the thing. I know sometimes this verse, they put it on, you know, calendars and in diaries, and they put it, you know, in little captions on the Bibles and all that, and it's nice and cute as if it applies generally. But this verse occurs in a specific context. In other words, Paul said it at a specific moment for a specific reason. And the reason is in the next verse. How do you know? The word therefore. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Notice that. So why did he say, be not ashamed of the testimony of the Lord? Why did he say that? Upon what basis? Upon this basis, that God has not given us the spirit of fear. If God hasn't given us that spirit, then it's coming from some other source, usually our own, our own weak heart, right? At least that's true for me. The flesh, maybe. But he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And for that reason, we should not be ashamed. God dispels the fear. He's, he desires, at least, to dispel the fear so that we, verse 8, can be a testimony, can give the gospel. That's what this context is. That's what he's telling Timothy to do. But notice, spirit of, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but instead he's given us the spirit of power, the spirit of love, and the spirit of a sound mind. Power. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God. What we tell people is not just a bunch of people's opinions. That the gospel of Christ, when believed, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Romans 1.16. For it is the power of God unto salvation. What's the next phrase? Unto everyone that believeth. So if someone receives that, it will totally transform their life. Right? That's what we're telling people. It's not a philosophy of man. It's not some religious whatever. It's not the message of Choice Hills, Baptist Joe. No, no, no. This is way bigger than that. This is what God says. And with it comes God's power and His authority. Love. God puts love in our hearts toward the people to whom we desire to witness. And if, and if I or if you are in a place where we're having a hard time with that, you know what we ought to pray? God, help me to love them. Help me to love them enough to open my mouth. Open my terrified mouth. And a sound mind. You are and I am most clear thinking when our thinking is in alignment with God's word. We don't have to worry about whether what we're saying makes sense. It does. We don't have to worry about whether what we're saying is true. It is. 
You see what I'm saying? The scripture is worth trusting. And so when we tell people that, we can say it with a sound mind. We know what we're talking about. And besides that, it's true. (laughs) So this is the reason we shouldn't be ashamed and we shouldn't be fearful. Now, When Paul was sitting, when Paul was in Corinth and he was looking at the prospect of what might happen to him and he was afraid, the Lord spoke to him in a vision and said, fear not. And he said, back in Acts 18, he says, it's interesting, fear, be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee for I have much people in the city. You see, even before Paul had really had his ministry and people had gotten saved, the Lord knew all about these people. He knew that there would be people who were right now opposed to Paul, but then would turn to Paul, turn to his gospel and would be saved. He knew all the people that would get saved in Corinth. He knew all about that. But you know what? When we cry out to God, when we're afraid, just like he did with Paul, he, he spoke to him. And I'm sure, I, I assume, the scripture doesn't say it exactly, but I assume that at that moment, his fear just vanished. You know, in the Lord, just in the same way, because we have the Spirit of God, when the Lord is ready, and we have to trust him when he is ready, just as when he was on Galilee in the ship, his disciples were afraid, Just one word, right? One word. And the storm is calm. And the Lord can speak, and I've seen Him do it, and you have too. He can take anxiety and fear and trepidation and speak one word, and it's stilled. And He does that. Brother Ben, usually, it's right when you open your mouth standing at somebody's door, right? It's usually, it's at that moment, not a moment before. (laughs) If you're preaching on the street, it's right up to the moment that you open your mouth. And then all of a sudden, you're not afraid. (laughs) It's usually how it goes. But see, all the Lord has to do is just speak a word. And that's how He gives us, often how He gives us grace. He just speaks stillness and it stops. Can God do that? Yeah, absolutely. And he does. He has and he will again. Let's pray.